Section 7 of The Doctor's Christmas Eve. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Ellen Preckle. The Doctor's Christmas Eve by James Lane Allen. Section 7. The Book of the Years, Part 2. The youth lying on the grass laid aside his newspaper and began to listen. The two men welcomed his attention. The minister always found it difficult to speak without a congregation, part of which must be sinners. Here was an occasion for outdoor preaching. The turfman probably welcomed this chance to get before the youth in an indirect way certain suggestions which he relied upon for his. "'Well, this is where your training and my training differ,' he resumed. "'I never assemble my colts at the barn door, that is, I would not if I could, and recite to them the vicious traits of the wild horses, and require them to memorize those traits and think about them unceasingly, but never to imitate them. Speaking of jacks, Alec, you know our neighbor stands a jack, and he would not, if he could, compel his jack to make a study of the peculiarities of Balaam's ass. But you compel your boys to make a study of Balaam and his tribes, you teach them the failings of mankind as they revealed themselves in an age of primitive transgression. I say I never try to train a horse that way. On the contrary, I try to let all the ancestral memories slumber, and I take all the ancestral powers and develop them for modern uses. Why listen? We know that a horse's teeth were once useful as a weapon to bite its enemies. Now I try to give it the notion that its teeth are only useful in feeding. You know that its hooves were used to strike its enemies. It stood on its forefeet and kicked in the rear. It stood on its hind feet and pawed in the front. You know that the horse is timid. It is born timid, dies timid. But had it not been timid, it would have been exterminated. Its speed was one of its means of survival. If it could not conquer, it had to flee, and the sentinel of its safety was its fear. It was the most valuable trait it had. This ancestral trait has not yet been outlived. Don't despise the horse for it, but now I try to teach a horse that feet and legs and speed are to serve another instinct, the instinct to win in the new maddened courage of the racecourse. And I never allow the horse to believe that it has such a thing as an enemy. He is not to fear life, but to trust life. I teach him that man is not his old hereditary enemy, but his friend and his master. I would not suggest to a horse any of its latent bad traits. I never prohibit its doing anything. I never try to teach it what not to do, but only what to do, and so I have good colts, and you have... But excuse me. The minister stood up and brushed the shavings from his lap and legs, and then, as he took his seat, he covered his side of the discussion with one breath. I hold to the old teaching, good from the foundation of the world, that the old must tell the young what not to do. Alec replied the vicar of the stables with his quaint sunniness don't you know that no human being can teach any living thing man or beast or bird or fish or flea not to do a thing you can only teach to do if there is a god of this universe he is a god of doing you can no more teach a not than you can teach a nothing now try to teach one of your sons nothing this world has never taught and will never teach a prohibition because a prohibition is a nothing it has never taught anything but the will and the desire to do. That is the root of the matter. Do you suppose I tried to keep one of my cows from kicking over the bucket of milk by tying her hind legs? I go to the other end of the beast and do something for her brain, so that when she feels the instinct to kick, which is her right, what I have taught her will compel her to wave her right and to keep her feet on the ground. That is all there is of it. They were hearty and good-humoured in their talk, and the minister did not budge, but the boy listened only to his uncle. Do you remember, Alec, 
when you and i were in school over yonder one morning old bowles issued a new order that none of us boys was to ask for a drink between little recess and big recess now none of us drank at that hour but the day after the order was issued every boy wanted a drink and demanded a drink and got a drink it was thirst for principle every boy knew it was his right to drink whenever he was thirsty and even when he was not thirsty and he disobeyed orders to assert that right and if old bowles had not lowered his authority before that advancing right there would not have been any old bowles there is one thing greater than any man's authority and that is any man's right isn't that the united states wasn't that kentucky country schoolhouse the united states and don't you know aleck that as soon as a thing is forbidden human nature investigates the command to see whether it puts forth an infringement of its liberties don't you know aleck that the disobedience of children may be one of their natural rights at this point the uncle turned unexpectedly toward his nephew does this bore you downs downs remarked pointedly that half of it bored him he made it perfectly clear which was the objectionable half the uncle did not notice the discourtesy to his guest but continued his amiable observation to me it all leads up to this and now the road turns away from colts to the road you and i walk in as men it leads up to this the difference between failure and transgression command to do and the worst result can only be a failure command not to do and the worst result is a transgression now we all live on partial failure it is the beginning of effort and the incentive to effort we try and fail with more will and strength and experience we wipe out the failure and stand beyond it long afterward men look back and laugh at their failures love them because they are the measure of what they were and of what they have become it is our life the glory of more strength the triumph of will and determination it is the crowning victory of the world and it is the road that leads upward but transgression no transgression ever develops life it is so much death you can't wrest victory out of transgression it's a thing by itself a final defeat and what has been defeated is your last safeguard your will every transgression helps to kill the will it weakens discourages humiliates stings poisons the road of transgression is downward he stood up and his guest with him as he lifted his alpaca coat from the grass and put it on there was left lying his bowie knife and he put that on it was the bowie knife age will you come with us downs downs thought he would now read the newspaper where is fred owsley asked the minister of him knowing that the two boys were inseparable he has gone to a picnic why didn't you go to the picnic i wasn't invited it's his cousins and haven't you any cousins who give picnics i don't like my cousins i hate my cousins fred hates his cousins it's a girl that goes with his cousins and what about a girl with your cousins well while you're talking what about your sons and their cousins we're running this farm very well and we're all pleased from what i've been hearing it's more than can be said about yours the minister laughed good-naturedly at this rudeness as the two friends walked away but the vicar of the stables observed mildly you gave him the wrong kind of suggestion aleck it wasn't in your words exactly i don't know where it was but i felt it and he felt it somehow you challenged him to employ his manly art of self-defence and part of that art is to attack but never mind about downs now come to the stable i'm going to show you a young thoroughbred there that has never had any disagreeable suggestion made to him he thinks this farm paradise and the five great things i tried to teach him are to develop his will to develop his speed to develop his endurance and perseverance to develop his pride and to develop his affection he is a masterpiece in the green yard that summer afternoon under the white locust blossoms and with the fragrance of rose and honeysuckle and lilac all about him the youth lay on the grass beside the newspaper which he forgot 
a new world of thinking had been disclosed to him and he made one special discovery that as far as memory could reach his uncle had never told him not to do anything always it had been to do never not to do and he was a good deal impressed with the difference between failure and transgression he did not at all like that idea of transgression but he thought he should like to try failure for a while then he could call on more strength tighten his will develop more fighting power he rather welcomed that combat with failure which would end in success he wished fred were there it was saturday he came to stay all night and the two were getting old enough to talk about their futures and at what ages each would marry they described the desirable type of woman and sometimes exchanged descriptions and then suddenly he rolled over the grass convulsed with laughter his uncle was raising him as a thoroughbred colt he approved of the training but somehow he did not feel complimented by the classification fred would have to hear that that he was being trained as for a race course the next morning he was sitting in church and the minister read the commandments hitherto he had always listened to them as the whole congregation apparently listened as to a noise from the pulpit that drew near lasted for a while and then rumbled on without being meant for any one but this morning he scrutinized each commandment with new thoughtfulness and with a new resentfulness also and when a certain one was reached he made a discovery that it applied to men only thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife why should not wives be commanded not to covet their neighbor's husbands he wondered why was the other half of the commandment suppressed moses must have been a very polite man perhaps there was more involved than courtesy otherwise he might have found life more tolerable among the egyptians he might have been forced to make the return trip across the red sea when the waters were inconveniently deep those jewesses of the wandering might have seen to it that he was not to have the pleasure of dying so mysteriously on nebo's lonely mountain his sepulchre would have been marked and well marked he sat there in the corner of the church and plied his insolent satire fred ousley must hear about the second discovery also the commandment for men only then three years passed and he was eighteen and from fifteen to eighteen is a long time in a youth's life things are much worse or things are much better it was one rainy september night after supper and he and his uncle were sitting on opposite sides of the deep fireplace some logs blazed comfortably and awoke in both man and youth the thoughtfulness which lays such a silence upon us with the kindling of the earliest autumn fires talk between them was never forced it came it went they were at perfect ease with one another in their comradeship the man's long thoughts went backward the youth's long thoughts went forward the man was smoking at intervals serenely drawing his amber-hued meerschaum from under his thick moustache the youth was not smoking he was waiting to be a man once his uncle had remarked tobacco is for men if they wish tobacco and for pioneer old ladies if they must have their pipes begin to smoke after you are a man downs cigars for boys are as bad as cigars would be for old ladies the way in which this had been put rather captured the youth's fancy he was determined to have every inward and outward sign of being a man now he was waiting for the cigar he had been hunting with fred ousley that afternoon and just before dark had come in with a good bag of birds a drizzle of rain had overtaken him in the fields and dampened his clothing the truth is that he and ousley had lingered over their good-bye fred was off for college supper was over when he reached the house and he had merely washed his hands and gone in to supper as he was eating alone and now as he sat gazing into the fire his boots and his hunting trousers and his dark blue flannel shirt began to steam he was too much a youth to mind wet garments the man on the opposite side sent secret glances across at him they were full of pride 
of a man's idolatry of a scion of his own blood. He was thinking of the blood of that family, blood never to be forced or hurried, death rather than being commanded, rage being ordered, mingled of Scotch and Irish and Anglo-Saxon, with the Kentucky wildness and insolence added, blood that often wallowed in the old mires of humanity, then later in life, by a process of unfolding, began to set its course toward the virtues of the world, and ultimately stood where it filled lower men with awe. September was the month for the opening of schools and colleges. The boy's education had been difficult and desultory. First he had gone to the neighborhood school, then to a boy's select school, then to a military school, then to a college. Usually he quit and came home. Once he had joined his uncle in another state at the autumn meeting of a racing association, had merely walked up to him on the grounds, eating purple grapes out of a paper bag, and with his linen trousers pockets bulging with ripe peaches. Well, Downs, his uncle observed by way of greeting him, as though he had reappeared around a corner. Who won the last race? inquired the boy, as though he had been absent ten minutes. Now, out of the silence of the rainy September night, and out of the thoughtfulness of the fire, the imperious, splendid, dark, glowing young animal, steaming in his boots and flannel, suddenly looked across and spoke. If I am ever going to do anything, it is about time I began. The philosopher on the other side of the fire grew wary. He had given the blood time, and now the blood was mounting to the brain. It is time if you think it's time. One thing I am not going to do, said the arbiter of his fate, as if he were drawing a surprise from the depths of his nature, and were offering it to his uncle, if possible without discourtesy, but certainly without discussion. One thing I am not going to do, I am not going to breed horses. The fire crackled, and no other sound disturbed the stillness. Someone else will breed them, replied the vicar of the stables with quietness. The sun always seemed to remain on his face after it had gone down. They will be bred by someone else. The breeding of horses in the world will not be stopped, because someone does not wish to breed them. It will come to the same thing in the end. Even if it does not come to the same thing, it will come to something different. No matter either way. The young hunter had unbuttoned one of his shirt-sleeves and bared his arm above the elbow, and now he stroked his forearm, as he bent it backward over the biceps, and suddenly struck out at the air, as though he would knock the head off an idea. My notion is this. I don't want to stand still and let my horse do the running. If I have a horse, I want it to stand still and let me do the running. If there's any excitement for either of us, I want the excitement. I don't care to own an animal that wins a race. I want to be the animal that wins a race then be the animal that wins the race. The horse will win his races. He will take care of himself. Win your race. I intend to win my race. There was silence for a while. As it is not to be horses, then, I've been thinking of other things I might do. Keep on thinking. You might help me to think. I'm ready to think with you. You can only think for yourself. What about going into the army? You just said you wanted excitement. There is no excitement in the army unless there is war. We have just passed through one war, and I don't think either of us will live to see another. Still, if you wish, I can get you to West Point, or, if you prefer the Navy, I can get you to Annapolis. No Annapolis for me. I wouldn't live on anything that I couldn't walk about on and sit down and roll over on. No water for me. I'll take land all around me in every direction. I guess I'll leave the sea to the Apostle Peter. Life on land and death on land for me. Hard showers and streams and ponds and springs will do for water. No Annapolis, thank you. West Point, then. If I went into the army, wouldn't I have to leave the farm here? You'd have to leave the farm here unless the government would quarter some troops here for your accommodation. 
in case of war you might arrange with the enemy to come to kentucky and attack you where you would be comfortable the future officer of his country did not smile at this his manner seemed to indicate that such a concession might not be so absurd he did not budge from his position i'd rather do something that would let me live here you could live here and study law some of the greatest members of the kentucky bar have been farmers you could live here and practice law in the country seat suppose i studied law and then some day i were called to the supreme bench wouldn't that take me away it might take you away unless the supreme court would get down from its bench and come and sit on your bench always to accommodate you i don't know about law i'll have to think law does make you think there is the pulpit some of the greatest kentucky divines have been bluegrass farmers though i've always wished that they wouldn't call themselves divines it's more than christ did the pulpit and then all my life i'd be thinking of other people's faults and failings a fine time i'd have trying to chase my friends to hell the next suggestion followed in due order there's oratory some of the great kentucky orators have been bluegrass farmers there is southern oratory oratory where would i get my gas manufacture it it has always been manufactured the consumer always manufactures if i went for oratory you know i'd come out in congress you know they always do then no farm for me again that is unless you know congress might adjoin and hold its sessions that same idea to accommodate you i'd like to be a soldier and i'd like to be a farmer if i could get the two professions together they went together regularly in pioneer kentucky the soldiers were farmers and the farmers were soldiers and then if i could be a doctor that's what i'd like best to be a soldier and a farmer and a doctor men were all three in pioneer kentucky during the period of indian wars the kentucky farmer and soldier who was the border scout was also sometimes the scout of esculapius esculapius who was he trotter runner or pacer he set the pace so you might call him a pacer end of section seven